following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, back in Studio B, not wearing a mask. No mask. But social distancing. It's Josh and Dan on the intentional foul. It is good to be back. And like most people during Corona Mania, you have made some improvements in your living quarters. Yeah, yeah, I got a couple, few more things to hang on the wall, got a little more organized in, uh, in the room here. It is nice to be here and not on the phone. I would fist bump you, but MLB no. says we can't. We're so gonna, We're going to get to that <laughs> and all manner of stuff that uh, we have scrapped together in this void of sports for our podcast, but it is just good to not hear you on the phone and be back doing this little shindig here that we do. Yeah, you know, the the I thought the phone stuff worked out pretty well. For I thought, what it was. I thought it yeah. sounded fine, yeah. um, but it, it's so much easier to do this in person when you can see reactions and there's no lag time you, you can't and, replace yeah in person e, you know even even if we'd have done like a like a video chat we would have still had some kind of a lag and it's uh it's good to be back um, i don't know if this is a bad omen but i'm pretty sure on my way over i saw the remnants of somebody getting hit with a bike uh <laughs> on a bike by a car okay well <laughs> I, I pulled up to johnson bank at the big intersection yeah of Milwaukee and Mount Zion and uh, Wright Road, and it was a green light, and the car in front of me was stopped, mm. and I'm just like, and there was no brake lights. I'm like, okay, what's happening? And I peek around, and I see a bike tire oh, boy. around the front of the car. <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? And then a, a, a guy gets up, and they're looking at the front end. A girl is the driver, and he's getting his bike, and they're both laughing. She looks like she could have just killed somebody, and he's laughing it off, and they're whatever, and he goes on his way, and she gets back into the car like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I just saw, came upon, the late stages of someone getting hit on a bike by a car. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I don't know whether this is a bad sign. Well, it's something you don't see not. every day. No. That's for, so. and, and that the guy gets up and walks away smiling. That's, yeah, the only thing, he he went over to Clapper's side right there at the corner, and the only thing that was messed up on his bike, it looks like, was his seat was a little crooked. Okay. So he's trying to straighten that out. But I just kind of, and I, I passed the woman, the light turned green, and she still sat there. Right. I think she was in shock. Sure. Like, I don't know if I should go now. <laughs> So, yeah, that was awesome coming over here. I love it. I love it. We have a lot to get to, surprising, in in this episode with no sports, but we we do have some sports, kind of. That was back on. I don't know whether baseball or football or basketball are going to be coming up. You watched a little NFL. Uh, Aaron Rodgers talked. We'll hit on some NFL notes. We already went over some of the baseball-proposed corona rules. We'll get to that. There's a new NBA basketball and the last dance wrapped up. We'll talk about that and maybe go through some of the NFL schedules. I don't know if we can even get to that with all the stuff that you got planned in the notes here. We'll so. we'll, we'll fly through some. All of this. Right. It's a it's a little spaced out. It looks longer than all it right. is. Did you catch any? Well, I know. Check that. I know you didn't watch any NASCAR. <laughs> no. 
There's not a there's not a virus on this earth. What I tweeted ever out ever created or not created to get me to watch that shit. I said I I'm was sorry. I said I don't miss sports enough to watch NASCAR, and I should have added soccer because there was some league that was playing this yeah. weekend that some of my friends were jacked that, that, up. That's to see. slightly above NASCAR, but not much. No. No, I, I I did click on NASCAR for about three minutes. I just wanted to see what the whole they thing tur- was like. Spoiler alert: they turned left a lot. They were going really fast, and they turned and, left. and they were all in a line. Yeah, about it. Yeah. Other than that, it didn't seem like it was any different to me. I tuned in the golf um, a little bit. I don't remember what hole they were on, but they were all shooting darts what at at the same pin. I don't know whichever one, but there there was some really good good shooting from those guys. Um, in that skins game, but other than that, um, I I want to see a competition. I want to see a tournament. You know, if I'm going to watch golf, I don't just want to watch a fundraiser. It was nice to see. Um, I heard Tony Kornheiser say this today, and he's spot on. He's like, it was like a a normal spring sun summer Sunday where like you turn the TV and golf's on, and you can take a nap, and you wake back up, and golf's still on. You know, like that's one of those yep. things, but. It was good to see those guys back out there. Um, I absolutely love the fact, and I don't know why golf is the way it is about this. I love seeing all four guys wearing shorts. <laughs> like, why are these guys wearing pants, wear pants in 90-degree weather four know. days in a row? It's stupid. Let them wear shorts. Everybody wears shorts when they golf. That's just how it is. Yeah, do you ever see on a on, on a golf course in the, you know, at some of our tournaments where we've just absolutely boiled have you just anybody seen seen anybody wearing pants just because? No, no. I mean, once in a while you'll see a like a hardcore guy that thinks he's at Pebble Beach, but he's really at Blackhawk. Like, or you know, you'll see a guy in jeans, which is always funny. Yeah, but no, no, just let these guys wear shorts. But did you? So it was it was Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy. Uh, Ricky Fowler and then, Wolf. And then I, I think it's Matthew Matthew yeah. Wolf, mm-hmm. um, who is kind of the the next guy coming up. Weirdest golf swing of all time I've ever oh, seen. Oh, I didn't even watch the actual. It swing. is shockingly bizarre, and he hits bombs. <laughs> like in the first longest drive hole, he hit three fifty five. In the next one, he hit three eighty. This dude. Is like a long, he's like Happy Gilmore. It's crazy. It is this weird swing that goes a mile. <laughs> so that's a guy that, you know, coming up when the betting starts yeah. here. I you know, I think he's only I think he's only been in for two years. He's got one tour win. But going forward, I'm not sure how good the rest of his game is at this point, putting in his in his mm-hmm. iron game and stuff, but Holy balls. There's a guy on Twitter, and I can't remember his name, that a lot of people tweet at to send them clips of their swings. Yes. So I would like to see him break down that guy's then. I might have to go and, and, and YouTube this. Because my mom, she, she even said, she goes, God, it almost looks like he's swinging a baseball bat. <laughs> but it went a mile. It was, well, uh, it was cool to see. As long as it goes straight. So. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, it was fun. It was cool to have a little banter. You were able to hear these yep. guys, and you can tell that they're, they're friends. Um, but... It was competitive, but not. When is the Schwab? Is that in June? I the, think so. The, the first official one back because Roar, um, uh, Tiger, and the and the footballers and Phil, they're in two weeks. I yes, think. yes. N- not this coming, but the following mm-hmm. weekend. Okay. 
So I, I'll probably watch a little bit of that. It can't be worse than last year's. Last year's. Oh, I heard it was, was terrible. Oh, I mean, Tiger Woods is a robot. He has no personality, and Phil Mickelson's kind of a dork. There's got to so, be some shit talking like, going on. Like Brady and Manning, I I saw they did a Zoom the other day of the four of them, and Manning was just tearing up Brady, and it was hilarious. And they were all laughing their ass off. And I'm Peyton Manning has that kind of personality that I'm hoping that he gets like. Yeah, this is a TV show. Right. You know, yes. th- this I'm not this worried about. I can't be worried about whether or not I beat Brady. No. <clears throat> this has got to be entertaining I for mean, people. You're raising $10 million or whatever right. it is. Right. Like, what? I mean, I'm sure the golfers want the bragging rights. Because Brady's a block of wood, too. Well, I mean, he's given you nothing in 20 years. He, he really? No. Like, can you name five sound bites from Brady? Hell no. no. That's, that's, and that's appropriate given the who he's played for. Yes. So. Um, as far as on the horizon, I, I talked to a couple people today. I don't know if there's going to be baseball. I don't know if we're going to get there. I don't know if, if either side is going to concede, is willing to accept losses on their end. I don't know if they're going to pull this together, honestly. It doesn't look good right now. No. Even with this new memo with the rules and whatever. Well, it's 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 the baseball players union, which is always what it's been um you know people always say it's you you should never take the side of the owners um but i think maybe i have a little different perspective because we're we cheer for small market teams yeah where you know the owner doesn't leave the team you know knock on wood for doesn't leave players come and go yes so the players are trying to trying to get theirs and we'll we'll get to Blake Snell here as we get into MLB a little bit more but yeah I don't know man and and the the threat of a possible work stoppage next year also is looming because the collective bargaining agreement expires I believe at the end of this year so there's a lot of fighting going on it's all over money um well and I the one that I read today was that the owners are trying to tell the players that you're losing money with each game and the players are telling the owners that well the more games you play the the more money you don't stand to lose. So it's like they have differing perspectives on where the money's going and how much to whom. Where's the truth here? Mm-hmm. Where is it lying? Well, I think it's I I think that's the million dollar question that everybody's asking these days in everything, including the coverage and what's real and not real with the virus itself. Right. You know, and it sounds like the players union is fearful that the owners are going to try to implement some kind of a salary Salary cap, cap, which I just find that very hard to believe that that ever happens in baseball. Um, And I mean, the owners are doing what owners do. They're trying to, keep their bottom line where they needed to be to stay out of the red. And the players are doing what they feel they need to do, which is to not get walked over. But I just think right now concessions need to be made. And unfortunately, that's usually going to mean the players are going to have to concede something in the short term if they want to come back. Let's jump to the rules before we talk about basketball and football. So the the memo came out about the testing that's going to be implemented. And this is just if games are going to happen. Um, They've done their best to install, you know, the social distancing stuff that a lot of us have been kind of saddled with in no 
fist bumps or high fives or hugs. And I even said this in my commentary this morning, there's no there's no spitting, tobacco worse, or seeds. Once, what are two things that you see on the bench a lot of in the dugouts? Gum and sunflower seeds. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to take those away? Right. Or do you have your own personal spit cup that you need to keep away? Or can you just not even I, do anything? I think it's zero tolerance. It's zero tolerance and, and you know, these teams, they all have pregame meals, and they have big spreads. Right. You're not going to be able to do that. Right, because you, you get stuff catered yeah. into, into the cl- oh, yeah. clubhouses. You, you, they usually, I think, they get meals before, and a lot of them right get them after. after. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's gone. Um, you can't shower at the stadium. Oh. You're going to have to go home in your uniform and go shower at home. Oh, my God. Um, there's some weird ones, like if... If you if you're up to bat and you walk, okay, and you mm-hmm. go down to first base, the first base coach cannot approach the player at the base. Like you know, usually he'll come over, he'll take your batting gloves or your put, put his arm on your put shoulder, it, tell you okay, whisper in you your ear, blah blah, yeah. blah blah blah. Can't do that. So he's got to stay in. He's got to stay, stay away. Stay in the coach's well, box. I don't, I don't know if the player. I don't know like what he does with his shin guard. If he just whips it now into the dugout. I don't know. Is the bat boy supposed to be touching that? There was something that they said that they're encouraging first baseman basically, to not, basically hold the to not hold the runner. Oh, my God. Like, that completely changes the yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. There was another one that said, and this was just weird. I didn't understand this. They said they were going to throw away bats after multiple people used the bat, which was like, well, wait a minute. These guys all have their own stuff. I don't. I don't Can't you understand that. Them? Well, but like most players, I think have a bat or two, and like oh, a, sure. a bench guy might only have a bat. So right. if he goes up and breaks his bat, he's got to go use somebody bronze bat or something. But like, you're just gonna throw bats away? Like, I just don't what? understand how you can't just wipe it down and disinfect it or yeah. something. Like, I mean, like we're doing the grocery carts. Like they They're take right. they take them from the Home Depot in a special place, and you got a guy with a hose spraying down five or six at a time, and now they're good to use. And I I don't know what maybe you can recycle them for the next game. Maybe with all that stuff, you don't want to use it right away. But I don't understand why you would just chuck it's them. It's very weird. I, I I don't get that. The the pitchers are going to have their own set of baseballs, which. <clears throat> This is this is the part that opens up the weirdest Pandora's box for me about about baseball coming back where it's like okay so every pitcher is going to have their own balls that they're going to use and then all these balls get like rubbed in mud before the game so you got to have somebody do that so somebody else is touching the ball already so I don't know what difference it makes if the pitcher touches it then the pitcher's throwing it to the catcher and the catcher is touching the ball that the pitcher touched or did the umpire hand the ball to the catcher when there needs to be a new one? And I so are you going to give them to the umpire? Yeah, and they're going to switch balls So the umpire's going to touch all of them. I, right? well, what happens when the ball gets hit into the outfield in the gap and Lorenzo Cain throws it to Arcia, who then throws it to uh, home? What happens if they now get a run people, out right. and everybody in the like, infield touches it? I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. Like, this, how, how is this? this I is, just don't even understand how it's feasible. No. This is the slow pitch softball tournament. Each team bring your own ball. 
That's what bring your own stuff. We've now to the park. we've now reached the point that frightened me the most about sports coming back. Everybody agrees that it should. Okay. Now it's the how and the safety precautions because these leagues are so PR conscious and probably litigious conscious they're all going to go way overboard when it comes to the safety precautions probably i get if you don't want to have pregame postgame meals okay taking a shower aren't i disinfecting myself by showering it's generally what you should okay so yeah, that, that's soap there that's weird yeah. but like this this whole thing with the balls and the bats like and not holding a guy on like that fundamentally changes the game. So I don't know. It, it's it's a weird one. So you've got Blake Snell also who came out and we talked about, you know, who's gonna make concessions and whatever, and Snell is gonna make what did it say, seventeen thousand seven hundred and seventy seven dollars or something like that. Is it per game that he plays? And he says Probably per start, yeah. For start, he said something to the effect of you know, I, I'm basically going to get mine. I don't care about anything else but me. I need to get paid or it's not worth it. Not a good look at all, especially when you've got a lot of people. I mean, we've run into this a few times with other guys in other sports having to feed my family and, you know, I've got bills to pay and stuff like that. This guy seems to be in that mold of, you can't be talking to a lot of other Americans who are paying money to watch you play that have been laid off and are having trouble getting unemployment. Yeah. You are not winning any favors with anybody. It's It's been baseball's main problem for the last 25 years is their lack of self-awareness. And you're talking about a dude making $7 million a year who, if he comes back, is going to get most of what he's entitled to for the games that he would play. There's going to be a little bit of a reduction. That's kind of part of the deal with the owners that they're talking about. Maybe it's $177,000 yeah, but, per. But, but yeah. he, he's going to get a good chunk of, of his $7 million. He's probably going to get close to three, three and a half million dollars Um That's hard to swallow, and that's hard for the 33 million people out of work in this country to have sympathy for you or support you now when you're you're you should be trying to garner support from the fan base um versus the owners to get this stuff done where now i think you've alienated a lot of people and you know and then bryce harper came out and kind of piggybacked on on what snell said and said he he was right and he had every every right to say it the the biggest problem i had i think in the whole rant that blake snell was saying was he talked about the reason why he deserves all the money is because he's, quote-unquote, putting his life on the line. Well, technically that might be true, but I don't think that in reality that's true. He's putting his life in danger more when he goes to buy his groceries than, right. he, than he would be if he was going to Tropicana Stadium. Um that thing is going to be like every facility now. It's going to be like an operating room. It's going to be sterile and clean. They have the 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 people and the staff enough to make sure everybody's got a bleach wipe yep. in their hand. Everybody's got a bottle of sanitizer. I mean, everybody's got everybody's going to have something to the point where you're right. If you walk in, you are going to smell 
clean. Mm-hmm. So to, to, to use that, I'm putting my life on the line. Look, like I think what, like almost 100,000 people have died in the U.S. Yep. from this. I haven't heard of any professional athletes that have died. No, some have gotten it. Some have gotten it, all but have they're recovered. all have recovered. And the reason why is because they're the healthiest people. Even Art Howe hasn't died yet. He apparently went home. Yeah, right. So that that argument, while on its face, yeah, technically, okay, but that's just not – that wouldn't be a fear if I was – if I was a major league baseball player or a professional athlete, I would not be fearing that. You talked about self-awareness, and we had this conversation um, with a couple of people in the studio a few days ago. If this deal goes bad, and ultimately it comes down on the players not willing to concede or wanting to get theirs to the point where they just say, I guess we're not playing, and they just don't do a season, what does that do in the public eye to them? Does this result in anything close to how people, because I still have talked to some people that have given baseball up, and granted they're a little bit older in, in, in the older generation from the last strike. Does it have somewhat of an effect like it did oh, back I, when, or an equal effect? I think or it's got to have something. A lesser effect. Pro- I, I would think it would be at least equal. Because there's not even anything that was going bad back then. They just didn't play. Mm-hmm. Now you've got people that want them to play badly. They need them to play. They need something in this time of crapulence that we're dealing with. And now they're going to be like, we're not getting paid enough. Sorry, America. We're not playing. I don't think that's going to be a good thing for them. I don't know to what extent. Well, I mean, you would have to put them, uh, you would have to put Major League Baseball as the fourth most popular sport in America. You got the NFL, you got college football, you got the NBA, and then Major League Baseball is a distant fourth um, nationally. It gets good regional coverage because of all the, the Fox Sports type things that everybody has now. But nationally, baseball is a distant fourth. Um, They've never recovered from that strike in 94, which was then followed up by the steroid Steroid era, era. uh, which turned off a huge portion of the fan base, like you said. Um, You know, people in the inner city don't give a shit about baseball. They've been trying for years to get black kids in inner cities to play baseball. They don't give a shit. They don't give a shit about baseball in the South. It's college football country. Which is funny considering that's the place where they play baseball year-round because the weather's nice. But, like, Florida teams don't draw. The Braves don't draw. Alabama, uh, Mississippi, they don't have teams. teams. The South is football. So if you're going to give people an opportunity to not have to worry about your product— why are they gonna? Why are they gonna care about it? Why are they gonna? Why if they don't have baseball, and you can just go from an NBA season that's going to start late next year, that's going to go deep into the summer, which then all of a sudden it's football season. Who's gonna miss baseball unless you're a diehard? Who's gonna miss it? I don't know that the casual fan would, and you know it's not like the sport's gonna die. No, but it's going to get to the point where it's going to be so far below the two footballs and the NBA 
it will never be able to recover. Because normally, even in regular years when the Brewers aren't doing anything or they haven't made the playoffs, I mean, the fan base switches very quickly oh, yes. to college and pros Dude, as soon when, as training when, camp when we were When we were kids in the 90s, by about August 1, you were kind of done with the Brewers. They were 20 games out. They weren't making the playoffs. There was no wild cards. Um, football was right around the corner. You were just kind of like... Ah, I got I got to go back to school. Football's coming. Ah, whatever. The Brewers are on. I might check them out, but I'm not caring. Right. So now you're making it easier for people yeah, to think like that. For sure. And so. I think I think there's probably a lot of baseball people. And I've, we've got some friends that work in baseball that would maybe be interesting to talk about. They would probably say they don't care that much about being ranked fourth, and maybe they don't even believe they are ranked fourth, but. I think that the, seems a little naive. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, baseball's in a in a precarious spot. They really are because they've got an opportunity right now to really engender a lot of goodwill, and I think they're kind of blowing it. All right, what's next on the horizon? Maybe um, basketball. I I haven't read much about this. There doesn't seem to be a been another update since we talked last time. No, it sounds like sounds like by June one we're gonna know. Uh, I've heard a drop dead date of like June fifteenth. Um, I think they're going to come back. They're just logistically trying to figure this out. Um, I did see uh, a player came out on the Cavs, Larry Nance Jr., who has Crohn's, who is concerned about you know his pre. He has he falls in the pre existing condition category, so he's got some concerns about coming back and playing. And look. I'm of the position, if a guy like that doesn't feel comfortable coming back, especially on a team that's bad, just let's not worry about it. And the team the team should take care of the guy, pay him his money or whatever. This is a medical issue. It shouldn't be a sticking point because I think there, there's just not, you know, I mean, 450 guys in the league, maybe you're going to have five to ten guys that have a pre-existing condition of some kind that are uncomfortable, but... I don't think that's going to be a, uh, a sticking point into, into getting this done. The other only uh, NBA note before we get to the last dance is apparently they're going to have a new ball after next season. So Wilson is going to take over for Spalding, and I saw something that really tripped my trigger, even though I was never that big a basketball player. I remember when that's, that really awesome Spalding ball came out in like the late mid to late 90s that everybody wanted, and I can't remember what it was, but it was the first really good ball that said, ooh, you got one of those. Do you, do you, do you remember kind of what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, vaguely. I mean, it was it was really good, and a lot of gym and a lot of high school started buying them because you needed to find a good ball, and there wasn't there was a lot of rubber, and they were kind of prickly sometimes to try and get this as good a grip. Then they came out with one that was specifically meant not for outside but for a gym, and it was leather, and it, it was very easy to grip, and it had kind of grooves every, you know, look every maybe six, eight inches or something like that. It was a really good ball, um, and I don't even know what they're using right now, but but that really kind of took me back. Is this a is this a big deal for you? Is this it big, is a big deal. Okay. Um, I mean, the NBA tried to do this about 10 years ago, and they did it without talking and consulting with the players. They changed the ball. I don't remember what they changed it to. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they changed the ball and I remember Steve Nash was one of the vocal, most vocal guys about it. He ended up getting cuts um, 
like abrasions on his fingers from from the ball. It was it was like uh, very slippery, and they used it for a couple weeks. And the NBA ended up just going back to their original ball, and and it's kind of never been spoken about yep. again. But it is it is a big deal what ball you use, and most conferences in college they all use a different ball. So, like, when the Badgers go play NC State at NC State, play with their ball. they're playing with the ball that they use in the ACC. The Big Ten uses a different ball. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have, to ask my, I'd have to ask our buddy Joe about this. I'm not sure if it's a universal ball in the conference or if it's, or per, if school. it's per school. I'd have to get some clarification on that. I can remember in high school, uh, we used a ball called the sponge. It was a top-flight uh, one thousand ball that the uh, the the leather between the the ridges was uh, it was almost like it was a little extra raised and a little. That's squishier. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that that's the that same ball. ball when it came out, people loved yeah. it. Yes, exactly. I, I've got pretty big hands, and I've always been able to palm a basketball. And that particular ball, because it was so spongy, like I could palm it off of a dribble. Mm. And these are back when I could dunk. So this was the this was the ball that allowed me to dunk because I could palm it like a tennis ball. When I went to college at Whitewater, we used a Wilson ball, uh, which was a very nice ball, but it was much slicker. And I had I really had a hard time being able to palm the ball. So it would roll in your hand if you wanted to roll over it a little bit? A little bit, yeah. Okay. And it was one of these balls where um, because it was so smooth, I had to lick my fingers a lot to right. get some grip. So that ball absorbed sweat pretty well, where the one we used in high school, when that thing got wet, it was like a freaking Cheeto. You couldn't hang on to it. It was <laughs> slipping out of your hands like sure. crazy. So. It does matter. Um, I heard somebody talking about Lonzo Ball the other day on a podcast. The ball they used at UCLA when he was there for home games, he shot like 45% from three. In all the other road games, and including the NCAA tournament, when they used a different brand of ball, he shot like 30%. Hmm. And there are a lot of guys that have gone from college to the NBA that say the NBA ball has taken them a long time to get used to because it's so different. Interesting. So I'm sure, I mean, the science that right. now is better than 10 years ago. I'm sure they've got this straightened out. But And I remember Sam Decker tweeting something about that a couple years ago, how people don't realize the different balls that are used within college basketball. you got 350 teams. Everybody's got different um, deals. Right, one with Wilson, one with Spalding, one with there was a there was one called the Rock. I mean, there's just all different kinds of of brands. So, um, hmm. yeah, it's interesting. I, I I think it'll it'll matter in the short term, guys that get used to it first. But I'm sure the NBA's done their due diligence. I can't imagine it being as bad as it was about ten years ago. Is football on the horizon? Um, I saw a tweet from Jeff Patrikas when I was on my way over here about the fact that all college football is going to revisit the June 1st start date, and he's pretty sure what they are going to decide about opening up facilities and using stuff, and um, the, a lot of the stay-at-homes expire on the 26th or the 27th or whatever. So maybe by then that's going to be open. I don't know what it means for the NFL. I, I did see a, a tweet from, I think it was Jason Wildey, 
who said that the Packers are planning on opening up Lambeau Field. They are able to tomorrow. They are not going to tomorrow, but they are getting into the process of figuring out what they can do and how much they need to do to get it reopened because a lot of places aren't still having their personnel go into the stadiums and offices and stuff like that. So, um, again, this is one football's one of those things, especially at the NFL. College is a little different because you're hearing a lot of ADs and university presidents that some are planning on having classes, some aren't, some are online. And it seems to me that college football is so big of a landscape that it's hard to get everybody on the same plane. Well, if you got guys in, in school over there, they can play football. If nobody's going to classes over there, you can't have people playing athletics. So it's I don't know if it's going to be an all or nothing. It might be a hodgepodge, let's throw together and do what we can. The pros have just put on horse blinders and just, they've gone forward straight, we're planning on this. And, yeah, we have contingencies, but right now we're following the train tracks. I heard ESPN alien uh, Paul Feinbaum say the other day (laughs) that uh, the biggest problem with college football is that nobody's in charge. Yes! They don't have yes. a, they don't have an actual governing body no. that can that can collectively make this decision. I'm I'm still on the point of I just don't know how they justify playing games and bringing the kids back to play games if they're not bringing kids back to go to school. I just think that's a tough hurdle to get over. Um I was talking to my dad about it today and he said, you know, he goes, "I think that the schools that fancy themselves as academic institutions where my degree is so important, kind of that Wisconsin yep. thing. Um, even though I know a lot of people to Wisconsin who, I mean, they graduated there and there's some of the dumbest people I know, but anyway, <laughs> like they don't give a shit about that in Alabama, Mississippi, no. God, Georgia, no. Florida. No, they're playing football. Yes. It's an institution down there. It's as or more important than going to school. That's just the way it is down I mean, there. It's the, nuts. The university president can say that, you know, it's important to faculty and whatever. The the second, the, the first question should be, well, how is it important to the football coach? Exactly. What does Saban think about that? I mean, what's the old line? The uh, the most important person in the state is the governor, and the second most important is the football coach? <laughs> right. You know? And, yep. and in those states, it might Some, be reversed. Sometimes the football coach is the biggest. So. Yeah. I, you know, th- there's been no news otherwise in the NFL. The college seems to be way up in the air right now, which, I mean, you're getting to June, and you're about a month and a half to two months away from starting yeah. to get things together. Yeah. So you're kind of running out of time. Yeah, and, you know, it, it, no different than any of the other sports. The last thing you want to do is bring these kids back when they're not ready to actually be playing football because I have no idea as a – 19, 18, 19, 20 year old during this quarantine, I don't know how these guys were working out or even if they were capable of being able to. You can only, you can, you know, you can take your bench press out into the garage and pump iron a little bit, but it ain't the normal thing you'd be doing to prepare for a season. I don't know if they, do they, do they start it later? Do they, you know, do they maybe shrink? You know, what is it, that three-week period between the end of the season and the Bulls? Maybe that goes away? Well, there are, uh, the, a couple of conferences have talked about eliminating non-conference games. And why not? Why not? Just, I mean, Just stick to eight or nine within your conference, and that's what you do. And You limit your travel. Yep. To your point about, about working out, your strength and conditioning coach can tell you what to yeah. do. 
but he ain't by your side watching you do it. Hey, man. That's different. <laughs> I've played with a lot of guys that you had to drag their ass into those weight rooms. Mm-hmm. People, when it comes to that kind of stuff, most people are not self-motivated to do that. No. Nope. In- unless somebody's kicking your ass yeah. physically. Yes. Like, get get over there and, and squat that. Yep. You know, do that kind of stuff. All right. Let's jump into some NFL notes. You watched a little bit of an old game this God, week. God, it was so great. I watched one the past weekend, and, and we both heard the voices of Madden and Summerall. I can't remember if it was the 96 or 95 NFC title game it was the Packers and the Cowboys in Dallas, and and, and the Packers lost, I, I think, think by, by by yeah. a touchdown or something like that. But it was so cool, and and you and I talked about it this weekend to hear Madden and Summerall because when they They're were the at best. their peak, yeah. they were so good. They're the best. I mean, Summerall is plays a great straight man. Yeah, oh, and, for and, sure, and, he's, he's infallible. And Madden, you know, there's never been anything like. A replay with Madden where he's got the telestrator and he, and he go over and boom and he, boom and he gets him. Just scribbles and everywhere. There was one time <laughs> I was watching the 94 NFC title game, which was the Cowboys at the Niners. And they had the Goodyear blimp up there. And he's like, we're, you know, circling. Where's, where's the camera? And where's the guy sitting? He's just <laughs> never having a better time. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it was fun listening to those guys, but you and I, I was texting you while I was watching this. Oh, my God. nineteen Mid-1990s NFL, holy violent. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Troy Aikman got the living shit beat out of him in this game. I think he got knocked down, like, 18 times in this game, and, like, there are, like, Knockdowns. They're hitting him in the head. They're diving at his knees. They're they're landing full body weight on top of him. I mean, there's no wonder that dude only played for like ten years. He was that was one tough son of a bitch. You and I t- and I had you you had told me that, and I texted you with with the concern about CTE and concussions, and now the monitoring and the um, the protocol after you get concussions. You wonder how many games he would have played oh. per season, but you also wonder whether he would have been hit, hit that much with all the rules well, right, now. Right. That and and I thought about that after I sent that text to you. I'm like, well, maybe he wouldn't have gotten beat up so much because now if you even brush your hand across a quarterback's helmet, you're flagged, and people are so afraid to hit the quarterback after he gets rid of the ball that maybe he would have been okay. You know, a lot of the time, but you no, know, you're right about the violence. And I mean, just looking at some of the rosters, you know, you 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 had position. It's amazing to me now on some teams whether you're good or not good. You can have a really good team, but you can have a position group that doesn't have a stud mm-hmm. that doesn't have a Pro Bowler. Mm-hmm. Back then, you had like at least one Pro oh. Bowler or one stud at each position group. Sometimes more. Those teams were loaded. Yes, those teams were absolutely loaded. I mean, you're you're looking at like four all pros minimum on each of their lines, D and O. You've got Pro Bowl safeties. You've got Dion at the corner. You've got Jerry Rice, Steve Young, Irvin, Emmett, Aikman. I mean, whew, yeah. these teams were loaded yep. up, loaded up. And it was, it was fun to watch. Um, the best part of the whole, <laughs> the whole uh, game was, I think it was in the third quarter, Steve Young, 
uh, takes the snap, and Charles Haley's offsides. Uh, Charles Haley, just another Hall of Famer on, on the Cowboys. Charles Haley's offsides, and Young sees it, and he knows that he's going to get drilled, so he just takes a knee because, you know, the flag had blown. There was no Aaron Rodgers trying to get an extra right. play thing. He's like, no, I'm going to get my head knocked off. i got to get down. And it was that unabated to the, the quarterback, quarterback rule, which was new oh. that year. And Madden said, well, Steve Young went down – Unabated to the quarterback, he goes, "Well, oh, you know, sometimes you're unabated, sometimes you're baited. What are you gonna do?" <laughs> and I, about, I just about fell out of my chair. That's classic, man. It was. It was like, God, this is. He is just firing fastballs here in the mid '90s. And I'm sure it's summer. All just keeps gone calling the game. Well, yep. You never know. I'm not sometimes sure what baits make, happen. I'm not sure what you to know? make of that, John. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I I liked when when they when they finally hung it up. I got my fill of Summerall on Golden Tee, the bar game, because he and Peter Jacobson would be doing oh, commentary. Wow. So when we'd be at the Mad Bar in Whitewater, we would be hearing Summerall talk about our shots. You just tell the bartender like, "Hey, turn the music down." That's kind of what I wanted. <laughs> like, do you have headphones that we could like pop on so we could hear that? Yeah, because he'd be and, and that's that was a common phrase that we would say to each other uh, when something would happen because Summerall would talk to Jacobson if you know if I put it a foot from the pin, he'd be like, "That's a nice shot, Peter." Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's that was that we just hear Summerall just reverberating in our brains. Those guys are the best. So um, a couple of NFL notes. Rogers talked. Yeah, what, what what were your impressions of that? I didn't even read it, and I didn't even listen to it. I didn't read an article because it was into the weekend, and I was doing too much stuff. The only thing that I took away was, of course. The point that every but that every local media person pounded on is that he now realizes with that pick of love is that he still remains steadfast and wanting to finish this out his career. You know, those are his wishes. He's got four years left on his deal, but he's come to the realization that that might not be possible. And I think that was talked about right after love got drafted in the fact that you can you, 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 he's basically untouchable. For the next two years. Right. It doesn't make any financial sense for the team to do anything. But after that, it becomes a lot easier to trade him or release him and not be on the hook for as much money. So, I mean, you're probably looking at a two, maybe a three-year window. It wouldn't It wouldn't surprise me. I think he's probably going to be another three years. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me if he's got a year left on his deal when they finally decide uh, to move on. Uh, unless unless things just go poorly. Right. I mean, if he's not getting along with Lafleur or they're like five and eleven, right? You know, people are screaming to play the kid, or he gets hurt again. Maybe right. he breaks his collarbone for the tenth time. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Did you did did, did you I, read I, a lot of it? Not much. I mean, because it's not like what he's gonna say about it. I've kind of maintained all along. He's not going to say anything much about it because he's too smart for that. Right. He's not going to give these people in the media anything to run with. No. He's he's always been very delicate. In, yeah. In in the stuff that he that he says. So, you know, I don't think he finishes his career in Green Bay. I just don't. I just don't know how you justify trading up to draft a quarterback, and then five years down the road because if Rodgers finished four years. You're talking five years down the road before Jordan Love plays. I, I just find that very hard to believe. I For think sure. I think it's going to be sooner. For sure. Um, let's see what else do we got. Um, I mean, okay, Roethlisberger's throwing in. Is that is that a big deal? Well, I, 
it's not a huge deal. I mean, I guess it's good for Steelers fans to know that he's healthy. Mm-hmm. What the part that was interesting to me, they showed a graphic on on SportsCenter when they were talking about this. He has 144 career wins, which is like eighth all time. Mm-hmm. There's only four guys in NFL history that have won 150 games: Brady, Manning, Peyton Manning, Favre, and Breeze. If Roethlisberger plays the whole season and wins seven games, he's fifth all time in wins. Mm-hmm. He will pass. Uh, I think Elway and Marino were like 148 and 147, something like that. So he'd pass those guys too. But I mean, obviously, nobody's going to say he's a top five all time quarterback, but. That's a hell of a uh, yes, it of is. an accomplishment yes. to win that many games. It means you were a really good player for a really long time. I mean, I, I don't think I know anybody who's a Roethlisberger fan, but that's a pretty impressive statistic to have on your resume. Oh, there, 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 I mean, there's no question. Um, all right, do you want to dive into some schedules? Yeah. All right, you, let's do it. You, you got the Bears one. Let me let me have the Packers one for for a brief second. Do you want to start with the Bears? Yeah, or, or we can do that. We can start with the All Bears. Right, go ahead. Um, you know, I, I I gave this the once over the day it came out. Same with me, and, and, and I, I told and you I, that. And I did a real quick prediction. Yep. And then I sat down yesterday and kind of went over it again, and I came out one game different for the Bears. Um, I originally had them eight and eight. I think I got them going nine and seven. Um. Their schedule, you know, playing a third-place schedule isn't too bad. Uh, the NFC North is playing the NFC South Correct. and the AFC South this year. So you've got Colts, Bucks, Panthers, Saints, uh, Titans, Texans, Jaguars are common opponents for the Bears and Packers. The Bears have to go to Atlanta and to the Rams, or no, Atlanta's part of that. I'm sorry. They, they they host the Giants and go to the Rams. Those are their two off games. I think 8-8 eight and eight is probably where they finish. Okay. I think they're about a 500 team. I mean, I think last year they were 7-9. and nine, mm-hmm. So that's, you know, kind of the same deal. You know, 9-7, and seven, it all depends, you know. Who's I, playing quarterback. Well, and, and I kind of look at it like, the Bears and Lions are going to split. The Bears and Vikings are going to split. The Bears and Packers are going to split. Yeah. Now, chances are one of those games you're going to win or one of those teams are going to sweep you, one of those teams you might sweep. So I'm just kind of going three and three in the con- in sure. the division. Yep. Everything else other than that is kind of guesswork. But, you know, the Bears don't really have a murderous stretch like they did last That's year. what I was going to ask you because the Packers' first eight weeks are brutal and the second week, the, the, the second eight, it kind of lightens up a little bit. Can you divide it into halves, or is there yeah, a middle of the season? I mean, the, their their toughest stretch, I would say, is probably weeks five through eight. They play Tampa at home on a Thursday night, follow that up at Carolina on Sunday, at the Rams on a Monday night, and then home for the Saints on a Sunday. It's not terrible. The timeline's not too bad. Those mm-hmm. are good teams. Um I, I got him going one and three in that stretch with the only win coming against Carolina. Um, but other than that, I, I don't see um, the Bears having a having a huge issue with anybody on their schedule. I don't look at it as a four and twelve schedule, but 
you know, I think if things broke right, they could get to 10 wins mm-hmm. and maybe be in the mix for a, a wild card. But other than that, I think they're pretty close to 500. I think I put the Packers at 10 and 6, maybe 9 and 7 on my second go round because, like you, I did the initial check and then I came up with. 13 and 3 based on what was last year and everything that happened last year going according to plan this year and then I was like well none of that shit's going to happen. Yeah. They're not going to stay as healthy. They're not going to pull games out of their ass. There's going to be some regression. There they, has right. to be. There's not they're not going to play teams that are missing their their number one guys like they like they did when Mahomes didn't play with Kansas City. Right. That all right. that stuff, you know, everything seemed to go right for Green Bay last year. Assuming even half of the stuff doesn't go right, you, you're, you're not winning that many games right. again. Right. And the first eight weeks, I mean, it's tough already with two division games right out of the gate. you got to go to Minnesota to start. That's brutal. Yeah. Um, then you've got at New Orleans in week three, and then you're back home for, for Atlanta, followed by a bye week, early bye um, this Is year. It, you like that? No. I don't like that. I want I it right like in the middle that. of the yeah, season, the, the, cut it in half. The Bears are, let me, one, two, three, four. <laughs> 11. So you, so you got to play 11. 11 games and then and then you're remaining 7. Okay. Yeah. Um and then you got to go to Tampa, you got to go to Houston, you have Minnesota at home for a second time and then a short turnaround another trip to San Francisco which is going to be the third one in 2 years. That four gamer is the gauntlet. Yes. For sure. If you come out of that 2 and 2, I would be I think they I'd should be, be thrilled. Yes. Absolutely. So realistically and you kind of have it laid out the where where I have it, you have them beating the Texans. I don't have that. Um, I have them losing to the Vikings um, and then winning Detroit, lost to the Saints, beating the Falcons. And, okay, so you throw another loss in for me for the Texans, split with the Vikings. You got three wins. You're three and five in your first eight games. People are probably starting to flip out yeah. a little bit. But well, the, jo- the Jordan Love talk is now in full effect. That depends on how you lose. I think I'm not saying the fans are going to be calling for it. I'm saying it's going to be. Are they? When are they going to play Jordan Love? Are they going to play Jordan Love? What's going on with Jordan Love? I mean, unless the, if I mean if Rogers is stupid, it's play, so not going to bad, and they're getting blown out in some of these games. I mean, you need a real reason to say yeah. play the kid. And even even during your rookie year, I'm like, I don't care how bad it gets. No. You're not putting in fucking Tim Boyle if if you hadn't drafted Love. You're, right. sti- you're sticking with Rogers. Right. You know. But then you've got you've got Jacksonville, you've got uh, the Eagles, the Panthers, the Titans. That one at the Colts, I'm not a big fan of. The Eagles again at home, that sucked last year. And then and then a few more division games. Jaguars are in there as well. So I think obviously they turn it around in the second half. I mean, you only got them out for two losses. I mean, a six and two second eight games. That's pretty good, right? The Their ship. schedule lightens up. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think I had them at nine and seven or ten and six. I don't know what that does with the Vikings to win the division. Right. Get them a wild card. I don't know. Um, I think but, I think Packers and Vikings will battle for the division, and then I think the Bears are going to be trying to get into the wild card in the mix. mix. That's that's kind of where I'm at with yeah, this. Yeah, but 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 the first eight and the second eight are pretty brutal for for Green Bay. So I, I I'm pleasantly surprised at the two late Bear Packer games. Um, I'm disgusted that one of them has to be goddamn Sunday night. Son of a bitch. You texted me as soon as the schedule came out. That was so great. But I do like that they, they play the last week of the season. Yes. that I think the Bears and the Packers should play the last week of the season every year. I'm fine with, and I know you hate it, 
I would like that to happen. Bears-Packers last week, noon kickoff. Or or Packer-Viking, whatever. I would also like to see Packers-Bears on a Monday night get the dues that it does for being the NFL's oldest rivalry. Mm-hmm. I think. Cause it's, yeah, it's, but Sunday night's the new Monday night, though. It kind of is. It is. You're right, and and I like the announced team that that much better. Yeah. I don't even know who ESPN's going to try to trot out those, at this point. No, they canned Booger and, and the other and, guy. And, and Tessator. Yeah. So. All right, so that's NFL stuff. We got about 10, 15 minutes left if we get back on our regular schedule. So let's roll through the last dance, the last two episodes. I watched both of them today, um, a day after, and I didn't I didn't check out Twitter at all on Sunday night to see everybody's you know reactions or whatever. So, um, the- well, what did you what did, what did you think of it overall? You had told me early on, and I mean, I know I was looking forward to this. And again, I reiterate that I'm the non basketball guy, but I did watch is, a lot. Yeah, but that's almost really the better alternative perspective yeah. to get is the not as not diehard NBA guy. But the, the, if there was as much basketball as I've ever watched in my life, it was when Jordan was on the Bulls, and I'd watch him in my room on WGN, and I remember a lot of this stuff and a lot of these players. And I know you told me that he was concerned that this would generate a lot of bad vibes surrounding him and a lot of bad attitudes to see how I I didn't come away with even a single iota of that. I didn't see anything wrong with anything that took part in this of his behavior. You you, kind of knew about his competitiveness already. Yeah, the picking and the bullying and whatever – it's one of those things where it just comes with being the best at your position or the best player in your sport. You're going to have some of that. You're not going to get a 110% totally humble guy who's the best at what he does. It's just not going to happen. You know, you're you're going to have some character flaws. If you want to view them as big, fine. If you don't, cool. But I, I, I didn't develop any feelings of you know, angst or dislike or rancor or anything about anything that he said or did. I really didn't. Um, to me, I kind of came off disliking Scotty Pippen a little bit more than I did coming in, and I didn't really dislike the guy, but I'm like, hmm. You know, kind of came out of there with a, eh. And Rodman, I that didn't change me. It kind of opened my eyes because you, you got a little backstory and you know, more information than what was talked about in the media at the time when I probably wasn't reading a newspaper. A lot of that stuff wasn't being said. Well, on we were in high school. Right. We are busy. You know? Exactly. But you just heard about, oh, Rodman's going to do this, or he was in Vegas. And I'm like, oh, man. But, uh, you know, it was a shame. The biggest eye-opener was at the end with Reinsdorf, who wanted to bring Phil Jackson back, contrary to everything that was talked about leading up to that point. And then you just kind of went, Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah? And to me, credit Phil Jackson, who said, no, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. Kraus said, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to jump over him for the owner's wishes and make it all weird. But then you got Jordan at the end saying, I've been playing on one-year deals. I'd have played on another one-year deal. They all would have played on one-year deals to come back in. I think we could have won another one. think we could have won seven. And then you're like, ugh. That's disappointing. But overall, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was very entertaining. I saw some good stories. I had a lot of laughs. I mean, 
some of the one-liners that were thrown out and just the, the, the locker room camaraderie. It was really cool to see. It really was. And it, and it gave me a glimpse of back when I was in my teens watching basketball. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people have the same sentiment that you did where they didn't see any reason why they would like Jordan less. Um, you know, and we talked about it a little bit last week. That it's a little generational that we kind of grew up in that authoritarian, uh, whether it was your coach or a guy you played with that was kind of that taskmaster. I hate when I I I don't like when they've said that he's bullying those guys. Bullying to me is pulling your shirt over your head and, and giving you a swirly or throwing you in the garbage can. I Michael Jordan, he was trying to. The way I looked at it was he was trying to bring these guys with him, and he, he thought his way was to um, be really hard on them. Whether it's the right way or not is debatable. That was his way, and he was successful doing it. You know, the the Scott Burrell stuff. If what did he say in the last one? Last he's going to beat his ass right. in a bar brawl or if something. If you ever talk to Scott Burrell, I'm going to come find you, and I'm going to whoop your ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, like. When I saw that, it was one of the. I I thought to myself, he's like one of those. Everybody's got a guy in their group that's kind of like the quick witted, mm-hmm. talk shit guy. It might be me in uh, in my group. Yes, but like when he says it, it just has a. It's a little sharper. It is. He's got this little way of like. Uh, it just stings a little bit more, and I don't. I don't. I guess that's just his personality. Um. But I, I thought it was great. I I, I had learned that uh, they just finished episode 10, like, Thursday. Oh, really? Yeah, because this okay. wasn't supposed to come out for another right, month, month right. and a half. So they had a lot of So these guys, in like, you know, time. they're trying to edit this shit from six different – like, I, I give them credit. I think they did a very good mm-hmm. job. I, I was very happy with everything. Um, it, getting, kick, it kicked off with the Bulls Pacers series in episode nine. Yeah, which is was a great series. It reminded me how much I hated Reggie Miller uh, when he was playing. Yeah, but the more I watched him, then the more I listened to him. It wasn't the fact that I disliked him; it was the fact that he was good and he could make shots all the time. He drove you nuts. Yeah, if like, you weren't a Pacer fan, he just drove you nuts. Fuck that guy, man! God yeah. damn it! You know yeah. stuff, stuff like that. And but like you hear him talking. You know, the fact that he didn't shrink away from Jordan at all and he, he still re- knew that he was the best player in the game, I thought that was that was admirable. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way it has always been and is always supposed to be. And I thought it was great that they started off by showing the fight between those guys in, I think it was like 92, 93. Jordan got a good slap on his Jordan face. Jordan punched him in yeah. the face. Yeah. Reggie Miller was on Dan Patrick today, and he was laughing about it, and he said... I'm at home, I get punched in the face, and I get thrown out of the game, and Jordan stays in and scores 40, and they beat us. He's like, that's the power of Michael Jordan. But, no, that was great. Um, I, I, You know, Reggie and him had a nice rivalry. Um, it was a great series. Uh, it was the only – It was one, I, think, I think Jordan only went seven games twice, uh, never in the finals, but I think it only happened twice, and that was one of the two. Yes. I thought they were going to get beat. I really did. I remember going into that game seven, just thinking like they're they're gassed, they are they're running on fumes, and you kind of saw that play out mm-hmm. in the finals. Um, then they flip back to the '97 finals, which um, people 
I think forget how competitive that series was. That was a really, really good series. It was two to two. Um, Jordan talked about he had the added motivation of Carl Malone stealing his MVP, MVP that year, and that was one of those years. And I've heard it's been revisited recently on a couple of podcasts. That was kind of the um, We're tired lifetime of achievement award for Malone. Sure. He had been so good for so long, but Jordan had just been better. You know, and when you got to remember. Malone comes in the league in 85, you've still got prime Magic. You've got prime Bird. Then you go into prime Jordan. And he just gets lost. Then you get prime Olajuwon and David Robinson and all of a, and Barkley. And all of a sudden it's like he's 35, 36 years old. He hasn't made a finals yet. And he doesn't have an MVP, but he's like the 20th greatest player ever. <laughs> so there was kind of a movement to get that for him, but <clears throat> it all leads into the flu game. Yes. Which, had you heard anything about it being a pizza before this? I hadn't I, heard that specifically. I had never heard that. I had always heard that it was a food poisoning situation, which that whole thing just leads to a whole nother, like, why are you ordering a pizza? Where are you getting it from? Five guys come to the door? That seems weird. How did they know it was Jordan? He didn't order it. They wouldn't have put it in his name. Like, the, the story was very weird. And he's the only one that ate it. Well, because it came out, the director came out today and said that Jordan told him that he spit on the pizza so nobody else would eat it, which is super weird. Like, what are you, six? Like, that's that's like a total, like, I'm going to lick your hamburger hamburger so so you can't have it. So that was really strange. But I think Michael Jordan had three games that put him above everybody else. I think the... The game I was at in 93, in game four of the finals, when he scores 55 to put him up 3 nothing, to keep them from um, having to go back to Phoenix down in the series. That was number one. Um, number two was the last game, last game in, in 98, when he hits the shot to win the title. And the third game is the flu game. Um he played 44 minutes. He had like 38 points, nine rebounds, like five or six assists. I, I I think it is his greatest game, not in terms of like scoring or how beautiful it was to watch or anything, but like to be that sick on the road in a 2-2 series in the finals to do that. I, I there's, there's never really been anything. The only thing that was close to it was like the bloody sock game yes. for Schilling. Yep. But he even kind of came out and said that was a little over-exaggerated. I mean, you saw the guys last night, like Pippen and these guys, are like, oh, he was fucked up. Yeah. You know, when, when when your teammates are saying that, and I and I never watched close footage of that like that was presented in that episode, but you could see whenever there was a lull in the game, his shoulders oh. and his arms, they would just flay, like just hang from his body. Like, he didn't even have enough gusto to, like, stand up with shoulders at attention and just be ready to go. I mean, y- you could tell that he didn't want to have to move a muscle if he didn't have to. There's the one play where he steals the ball and he crosses over and he crosses back and he throws it ahead to Pippen and Pippen goes in for the layup and misses it and Jordan gets the follow dunk. And as he lands, he kind of almost like he sighs and he kind of fixes his wristband and just kind of stands there, and you can, like, almost see the bags under his eyes. Like, he – because they said he didn't sleep, and you're you're playing in the freaking finals. Mm-hmm. 
It's just amazing. And yep. so that leads into they, they did a little bit in depth on Steve Kerr, which is pretty interesting. I thought that was very good. I mean, big shots. Big shots from him. Big shots from him, and then the backstory with his father getting assassinated. Yep. And, oh, and my there's, God, I didn't know about that. There's that commonality with Jordan, Jordan. that they was both, kind of both unspoken. Both fathers, yeah. You know, they both lose their dads. They had both played at big-time college programs, and obviously you've got complete opposite ends of the spectrum But here. they also weren't recruited as, right. as, as highly. Yeah, you I know, mean, Michael like, was, but he wasn't like... But he wasn't like a, a, a blue chipper. miss. Yeah, exactly. Right. Where you got Kerr, it's like, I didn't have a scholarship. Didn't even visit Arizona. I just said, yep, I'll come there. Yeah. I thought that was funny. That's, that's, that's crazy. Like, that would never happen today. Well, no. Uh, um, no. So then, then they jumped to episode 10. And, which and, was just... The, which was maybe my second favorite one. I think my favorite one was... Episode 7, where he cried at the end. Oh, yeah. But I think number 10 might be my second favorite one because it was insane. There's a the lot. The shit that went yes. on. There's a lot. I mean, like I said, this, the, they were exhausted. They were holding on by a thread. I think you, with some of the things we heard from Reinsdorf at the end and, mm-hmm. and, and the stories about Kraus, I think it puts into perspective, especially the second three-peat, more so than the first three-peat. These guys were winning titles and being great despite their front office. Correct. Their front office was almost actively trying, trying to, to cut their, the team. Yeah, trying to cut them off at the knees, and these guys just wouldn't relent. It, it's it's pretty amazing. It, Jordan literally carried them to a title in the in the last uh, uh, ninety-eight finals. He had thirty-nine percent of their points. In that series, I think that I did the math today. He scored like 200 points, and they had like 540 something like that. Um, he had 46 in the last game. Um, Pippen couldn't even walk. I mean, you, you and I, you've had your back issues from yep. your accident. Mm-hmm. I had severe back problems at the end of my playing career. Um, I never had it in a game. I had it in practice several times. Where like when your lower back locks up on you, you're done. Yep. Oh, yeah. You there, There's no stretching it out and feeling... Like, you're done for, like, a couple of days. I was going to say, like, even if they played the next night, it there was sh- no way. That shouldn't and, matter. And, and I think that Jordan... They, when they showed Jordan sitting on the bench by himself drinking the Gatorade mm-hmm. during, like, some of those last timeouts, you can almost tell the wheels are turning. Like, we have to win today because Pippen's done. And we cannot win a full game without him. There's no way. Well, and, and he even said the, the the gear started turning about is this going to be it? Yeah. Like is this this is, is this gonna, how we're going this out? Is how go, how I'm going to go out? Yeah. This is going to be it for me. And then then who knows what happens to the team? You know that that kind of stuff. Um, I love the blonde. <laughs> was she in Utah or was that was she in Indiana? Indiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good God! Like there were the best. F- there were f bombs oh. and everything. It just fuck just, you, yeah, just, fuck you. Just yelling at nobody. I'm like, <laughs> I would have liked to see who she was yelling at rather than just well, you know, Joe Klein, who's on the team. Was that him? That was was in was in street clothes, right. and he's the one that looks over his shoulder. That like, was so good. What are you doing, lady? <laughs> like, what? I thought that was awesome. Like, even a player on the bench is going, "What the hell is going on here?" Yeah, she was nuts. That was great. Um, Utah and Indiana, like, they have probably the best fans in the NBA. They're nuts. It's part of you know what else does Utah have? That's nope. their that's their thing. Nope. And um, it's very Caucasian in Utah, yeah, yes. and that's why the Jordan 
uh, the Michael's sons were talking about like, stay home. They didn't really want us going to Utah. Yeah. Um, the Rodman thing about <laughs> the day. About, I had to go back and do a little research for oh, you on did, this. Did, okay. Yeah, I, this was not off of memory. This, I had to go back and look. This was unbelievable that he that he made an appearance on Monday Nitro in the middle of a finals, and then they got cut to practice. Where is Dennis? We don't know. Nobody knew, and then all of a sudden he shows up on TV, and they ask Phil at the end of practice. Rodman's not here. No, is that excused? No. What's going to happen? I don't know. All I know is he's not here. And then all of a sudden you see him walking out with Hogan and Bischoff and uh, breast in peace Barber in in the back at Leslie, and it's like, or is, or is he still alive? I don't even know. He's still alive, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, yeah, and then all of a sudden you're like, I had forgotten that it was during the finals. Oh, yeah. What oh, are yeah. you doing? It's nuts. How did that, do you know any of the story about did they call did he say, I want to do this? I don't know. That I, I don't know. I know how that transpired after the game. Did somebody pick up a phone and be like, hey. Well, they you- probably asked him if he could make it, and he probably said, yeah. No big deal. No big deal. It's just practice. Yeah. We're, we're in the finals. What do we need to practice for? Yeah, and then uh, go ahead with some of the, well, some of the other details so, on just that. So Rodzilla, yes. as he was called in the NWO. By Hollywood. By Hollywood yes. Hogan. So in March, uh, he's basically active from March of 97 through the summer of 98. He makes some sporadic appearances. His first match is in, I think Bash in the Beach is in June. So June of 97, after the finals, it's Hogan and Rodman beat Lex Luger and the Giant in a match. That's which was as bad as yes. you could imagine it would be. Like right now, just looking at that, it's like there's no way that should happen. It was terrible. Then the next month is the Road Wild pay-per-view in 1997. That's Sturgis. Yep. And Rodman shows up in a fake sting match I do and, remember and that. hits Luger with a bat. I do remember that. So then you get to 98. And what they didn't really talk about, but you will remember, there's this is year two Bulls Jazz, year two Rodman Malone. WCW is trying to set up a match after the NBA Finals involving Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman. Rodman. I do remember that. So Rodman has already been involved with the Federation. They're trying to do this thing with Diamond Dallas Page and Carl Malone yep. being a team I versus Hogan and Rodman. Yes. So Rodman shows up. They beat they beat Utah on a Sunday night by 100. They hold him at like 50 points, which Jerry Sloan has the famous. Is that nope, really the score? Like, right. <laughs> So the next night, he flies to Detroit to be on Nitro. They're joking on Nitro about him skipping practice. They're laughing about it. getting into it with Malone. And he's talking shit about Carl Malone, which, you know, ends up leading to a match that summer between the four of those guys, which was also as awful as you would think it would be. But the funniest part is that Rodman just shows up for game four and has six points and 14 rebounds and has a normal game, and the Bulls win. Just can come right back like, to Like, does it. anybody come off better in the documentary not named Michael Jordan other than Phil Jackson? Probably not. I mean, the man's a wizard. Yes. How do you coach that team? And, and, and win titles. And what can you do? What could you do to control him? Clearly nothing. You just let him do his thing and say, I mean, and I, and, and I wonder whether he, they had a conversation. It's like, I know you're going to go do your thing. 
I just want you to know when you show up, you put that jersey on. Yeah, I think that's what it was. You give me 100%, and we won't have a problem. I think that's what it was. But the moment you start having a lack of whatever on the court, then we're going to need to start talking about those, and you might not be on the team anymore. Well, and the funny part is, is like, you know, this is year three of this when he does this, and Jordan didn't even really seem to be pissed about it. Because he was yelling Rodzilla in the in the practice facility and was joking around about it, where I think three years earlier it probably would have been a lot bigger deal. But right. these guys knew that, yeah, hey, Dennis is kind of nuts, but he's going to show up and play, this. right? <laughs> but that, yeah, what a, what a crazy time! I mean, basketball literally became Rodman's side job. Yeah. He basically was doing other was a celebrity, other shit. Yep, that happened to play basketball yep. on the side. Absolutely. So that leads into Game Six. Like I said, Jordan has forty five of the eighty seven points. Uh, he did not push off of Brian Russell, no. um, which, you know, even if he did, I don't care. It's part of the game. People do that shit all the time. Well, who was it that got a shove into him? Oh, Reggie. Yes. Reggie. Yeah. Two-hand shoved him. That was a shove. Yes. That was not, I don't feel like, part he of he catches it and hits the game winner. Yes. I mean. Yeah. Um, no, not a push off. And I even said cowherd today. I saw him on Twitter, said not a shove. Well, Costa said the best thing. The guy's sprinting one way. Right, and he's already starting to fall. Yes, and Jordan stops, and yeah, he gave him a little bit of a nudge, it but was not a much. No, no. But the the last 45 seconds of that game are legendary, and I was trying to think about something that I could compare it to sports-wise that I've seen. Where Jordan, the, the Jazz are up, what are they up? They're up three, I think, and... Jordan scores. Jordan steals the ball from Malone. Jordan hits the shot. Nobody else on the floor touches the basketball. Well, what did, what did Pippen say? He's like, "What? What were you thinking when you when when we're coming down the court when Jordan has the ball?" He goes, "Get the hell out well, of yeah, the way." Pippen couldn't even move. And Rodman said, "I'm just standing in the back for sure. If there's a rebound to get, I'll go get it." But that's it. No, but I mean, he even if he couldn't move, he right. just, I'm not right. I'm not even even in there as a decoy. The I'm, o- I'm out. The only thing that kind of compares to it, but not really. It's a stretch, and it's a painful one for you. Remember when Elway does the scramble and he gets helicoptered yep. and they get the first down mm-hmm. to basically like win the game? Like That's kind of close, but not really. I don't think anything compares to that. It's just, it, it's, it was an amazing thing, and it, and it led me back to what B.J. Armstrong said a couple episodes ago where it just got to the point where he wasn't even really playing basketball anymore. He was playing chess. He was just waiting. Like, I got to play this game, but, like, this four-minute stretch here, I got to own it. And he always did, and they always won. It's crazy. Um, They just won on their smarts. They were just smarter than everybody. At that point, Pippen's hurt. Rodman's a mess. Phil Jackson's got one foot out the door, and Jordan is exhausted. But they were just, like, I would bet 90% of NBA coaches after Jordan stole the ball would have called a timeout. I know, and and then they showed Phil, and he said he looked over at him and is like, I'm not going to give no. them a chance to set up anything yep. or talk about anything that we might possibly be doing. The best coaches are the coaches that don't overcoach, and he and he was the master at that. Um, that kind of led into what you talked about with Reinsdorf, where I just think he comes off as a complete buffoon, <laughs> um, e- even worse in some ways than Jerry Krause. I mean, Jerry Krause was an insecure little worm, but at the end of the day, he was trying to do his job. Right. Where Reinsdorf was just sitting there counting his money. What about what then, Pippen said? And then kind of shrugging his shoulders at the end going, ah, well, what are you going to do? Right. Like, I got titles. 
Okay. Right. I got titles. I made a bunch of money. Yeah. Um, Hard to argue with what my GM did. So the, but, but then Pippen said, you got to talk about Michael as the best player ever. you got to talk about Kraus as the best GM ever. With he's all not. Those. I know, but, he's not. but I thought it was interesting yeah. that, that Pippen said that. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big leap. Um, but I just want to – I'll run this quick because I know okay. we're getting on time here. The 99 Bulls, could they have won the title? Maybe, maybe not. Um, Rodman, after the 98 season, played 25 more games in the NBA. He was done. So they would have had to have replaced him. Um Pippen ends up getting traded to Houston yep. for a bag of socks and signs like a four-year, $75 million deal. He wasn't getting that in Chicago. Um, Jordan said he would have come back on a one-year deal. I don't think so. I just think at that point Pippen was done with the Bulls. Um, and Phil Jackson, uh, I think he needed the break. He sat the one-year out, yep. and, and then he joins the Lakers and, and wins more titles. Um, the post-Jordan Bulls, just briefly, in the last 22 years, 11 playoff appearances. They've won five playoff series. They've been to one conference finals. I saw a tweet today from somebody that said the Chicago Bulls rebuilding since 1999. Yeah. They've had 12 top 10 picks. They've had the number one pick twice, Elton Brand and Derrick Rose. The number two pick, Jay Williams and LaMarcus Aldridge, who they traded on draft day for an 18-year-old Tyson Chandler. And then they had the third pick once, and they took Ben Gordon. Now, bad luck with Jay Williams. Nobody thinks he's going to have a one-year career and never play again. Bad luck with Derrick Rose. But the bottom line is, look how hard it is to rebuild. When you have an opportunity to win, you win. And it's like what we talk about with the Packers. Packers all the time. When you have the best player, or one of the best players, and you have an opportunity to win, you have to take the opportunity and try to win. Um, so, I mean, the overall takeaways for me, um, you know, why now? I just think it was the time. It was time. It had been 20 years. Um, I think it was kind of poetic how they they did all of this before Kobe passed, but now it makes a lot more sense, probably even for Jordan, that he did it, and it was a good thing to do because you never know. You want to be able to tell your own story. Um I thought it was really cool the respect they showed where Jordan was rocking out of those press conferences and he meets Reggie Miller and they're in the middle of a series and they're dapping up and yeah. hugging and he's asking about his family yep. and he walks out and Stockton and Malone are sitting there waiting and he shakes their hand and Malone even Malone coming on, on the bus. bus. Like, there was a lot of rivalry there. Oh, at the end of the but Pacers there was a lot series. Of respect. When he talked to Bird in the hallway. Oh, yeah, fuck you, bitch. That was, that was so, I mean, like, that, that was so good. I you heard, got an opportunity to work on your golf swing yeah, now. I, I can't. I don't know who said it today, but they, they perfectly said, Michael Jordan is a man's man. Like, that is just a, he's a dude. That was so good. That, that exchange with Bird in the back was so funny. <laughs> the last thing I want to hit before we go. Okay. And they didn't, they didn't really touch on it in the doc at all. This is a little disappointing. As a kid growing up in the 90s, playing basketball every weekend, we all did one thing. I, I heard multiple, multiple teams in the 90s would always do this. Before the game start, you all huddle up. You put your hand in the middle. And one guy yells, what time is it? And everybody yells, game, game time. time. Who? That was the thing. Yeah. That was like the coolest thing any team could do in any sport for like a decade. And the other thing that they didn't talk about at all, the Bulls intro. 
You mean on the court with the yes. lights and all that stuff and them running out? They were out? the first to do that. Oh, really? That I, I that. can remember. Okay. And seeing that in person was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I bet. When Michael Jordan got announced, you couldn't even hear Michael Jordan. It was, from North Carolina. And then it was just, right. people were hear, losing their shit. The PA. And the amount of teams over the years that have stolen versions of that, mm-hmm. uh, our buddy Tom Clawiter in the 90s, stole almost verbatim yep. what they did in Chicago. He yep. brought it to Parker brought for the, the girls. Light show in, yep. Brought the light show in that they still kind of do to this day. Um, it's kind of legendary. I mean, it changed the game in in that way of game production. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember ever ever seeing anybody do that before. I think the I think down at Beloit, they turned the lights off or they dimmed the lights for the when they announced the Beloit kids. Mm-hmm. But other than other that... Than that I had never seen anything like that before, and that was pretty damn cool. So, well, that's cool. I didn't know that that had come out of 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 that whole thing, or that was the first. I mean, you know, you see the Bucks now, and they got you know uh, Eric Jensen's their PA guy, and they you know do the same thing, and he's got the good pipes to do that. But I would imagine that a lot of other places, and now it's more about pomp and circumstance mm-hmm. than it ever was. Yes. Oh yeah. Even if you're bad. That you dude, know. whoever the PA guy was for the Bulls, though, back in the day was awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll have to look that up. That guy was great. I liked, and one final thing from me, because I know we're we're kind of getting to the end here, I like Jordan's relationship with his security guards. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy with the perm with the white hair, yeah. which I thought was good. Who, who, and is, then, who has recently passed. And then the guy that had Gus. Can- cancer had come yep. back yep. and said, let's win this for Gus, and he got him a game ball. Yep. I thought that that was cool, too, because he was around those guys constantly, and he turned into the into, into he turned into friends. Michael seemed like the kind of guy that if you were a respectable guy and you showed him and treated Michael with respect, Michael would treat you with respect. And I think that's what bore out at the end. I think Will Purdue and Bill Wennington and Steve Kerr and Scottie Pippen, all those guys, they all had their moments with him. But at the end of the day, they all respected him, and I think they know that he respects them too. That is the intentional foul for this week. It's good to be back in, yeah. in studio. We just got to get some real live stuff. We got to have some now. stuff to talk with. About. No more. We right. just like that's like forty minutes of our pod gone with the light right. with the that's, last that's dance true. gone. So maybe we'll have shorter episodes, or we'll just find stupid shit to talk about. We'll figure it out. But we will uh, figure it out later. Thank you for downloading, listening, subscribing. However you get to us, we appreciate it. I'm Josh. I'm Dan. And, and before we go, I just want to give a shout-out, a quick RIP to Eddie Haskell. Oh, really? Uh, Ken Osmond, um, who played Eddie on Leave it to Beaver, passed away today. One of my all-time all-time favorite shows. So. All right. So thank you, and we will talk to you next time. Go sports.